Welcome back. I'm Josh. Jerry Brussels, but you can call me JB. And these are views from the back of the class. It's a busy night in Hell's Kitchen, guys. We're actually sitting in the, the lobby of Alias Investigations. You just, you never know what's going on around here. You really don't. And there is a crap ton of brown liquor. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the bottles are empty. Only some of it is mine. <laughs> The office space is pretty nice. A couple of loose chairs and everything, but all in all, it's pretty comfy digs. I'd say so. Just, you know, the occasional ambulance is a little distracting. It's Hell's Kitchen for you. Now, a word from this week's sponsor. Guys, are you tired of being tired? Tired of being sick? Tired of just dragging along? You haven't had much energy? Not really feeling like yourself? Well, I've got the product for you. Oscorp presents... Dude enhancement pills. Normax. Normax will have you feeling like a new man off the couch, on your feet, and out the door. You feel like you can conquer the world. Take it over, in fact. I mean, you will be sitting at the top of the world, running it from the boardroom to the block, whatever your flavor might be. Make sure that you check out Normax by Oscorp. Side effects include headache, multiple personality disorder, fits of rage, loose bowels, delusions, insomnia, OCD, and death. Remember, Oscorp is not responsible for any of the particular side effects. Try Normax and feel great about your day. Now, back to the show. So last week we talked, rather speculated heavily on what's going to happen in Avengers Endgame. And that got us thinking to this week's episode. We like, you know, making stuff up and trying to figure out how we would do it. So we're going to continue the speculation. We got some positive feedback from the first episode, so I hope you guys don't mind too much. But we have some nerd news to discuss, and it's what's going on with the Disney Plus, which is yet to launch. And once we get the nerd news out the way, we'll dive into our conversation for tonight. What was crazy about the Disney Plus situation was pretty wild in general. Like, I'm, they got my money. Like, I'm not even going to fight it. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, already, it already was, but I'm even more excited when... I uh, saw that the Lady Sif is now scheduled to have a show. I don't know how nice. solid the confirmation is yet, but that is, you know, something that they're looking to go forward with, which I think is awesome. I think Sif kind of got a raw deal thus far because we really haven't seen her. She, oh, for sure. We haven't seen her since Thor right. 2. I mean, she popped up in yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but that's nowhere right. near, you know, I want to see the Warriors 3, like, getting down for real. And I, I felt like... You know, that would have been cool to see them pop back up in Infinity War, but this will be good to see. And as we speak on this, I have a theory about how this ties into everything else, too. It just it just okay. dawned on me. So at the end of. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way, spoilers all throughout this episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, um, at the end of Ragnarok, Maybe. when Thor was like you know we're headed to Midgard I still think that eventually Asgard ends up on Earth in Broxton and then that sets up the siege I really think that is something that we'll see in the MCU at some point okay that being the case I think the Sif show could be where we see at least the the building blocks of that 
not necessarily, you know, the full on battle, but we see that Asgard has now moved. You know, I remember the line being Asgard is not a place, it's a people. um, And they're going to set up shop on Earth, you know, above this American city, which kind of lays the foundation for things to go very, very badly. That's true. That's something I didn't think of, but I, I could see where they can, like you said, put the building blocks in place for something for a story like that to be right. told. I like the news that she's getting her show because one, I mean, we've heard stories or confirmation or acknowledgement that she was off world during Ragnarok. So she wasn't killed with a lot of the Warriors three. And also, I don't know for sure, but I would believe that this would take place after Infinity War, actually, you know, after the snap and everything like that. So I th- I would imagine it's kind of confirmation that she survived the snap and didn't get dusted, but I don't know. I think a Lady Sif TV show would be pretty interesting either way. I'd like to see, you know, something kind of new. I wouldn't want to see something that we've kind of seen before with secondary characters to be like, oh, what were they doing during this time? And it's like, oh, they're finding themselves. I don't want to see that. I want to see, you know, a warrior taking down, you know, the universe because she's Asgardian and she's you know, has muscles like Katani fibers, according to Gamora. <laughs> Nerded out right there. <laughs> I like it. That's what it's all about. I think um, that is exactly what we would see, though. I mean, Sif is not the finding yourself type. You know, she's she's trying to be where the action is going to be. And I think mm-hmm. that Disney knows that. Uh, certainly Kevin Feige would know that. So I don't think we're right. getting anything less than an arse-kicking Sif, for sure. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is like, is he, and I don't I don't know, is he involved in the development of these TV shows, or is he kind of, like, loosely related, like, the, the shows on ABC? No, I think or it's... Freeform I or I think whatever. it's pretty directly related. Uh, should good, all be under good. the Marvel studio, Studios purview. Awesome. That's, that's fantastic news, then. I mean, think about the characters that they've been using. They're 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 plucking them directly from the movies, so it's not a disconnect like Agents of Shield. And even that initially was directly tied in. It was all together. Mm-hmm. But then they had the disagreement between Feige and Ike Perlmutter, mm-hmm. and so they just split them all together. And now we see a very loose connection between the two, which I think that's going to change. Also, to be honest with you, oh, Under I, Disney I Plus, I, I think, think I think that's definitely going to change. And one thing, too, with, with Disney Plus that kind of makes me weary is the Disney branding. Not saying I want to see a super bloody show or, you know, something that's like The Punisher and or even the tone of the Netflix shows. I just kind of want to see something more grown up, I guess, and not, you know, not a watered down version of what they could show because it's under Disney and not, you right. know, a Hulu umbrella or something right. like that. I guess so, that's a legit but if it's under, concern. But Disney seems to be willing to take some risks. I've been hearing rumblings that um, Black Widow could be a rated R movie. Hmm. So at least they're entertaining the idea. Gotcha. It'd be interesting to see what they do. But knowing that it's under uh, Kevin Feige, then I have faith that they'll be able to tell a good story and not water down or not dilute it just because it's under the the mouse. Agreed. I don't don't see that happening, I think. You know, they've kind of proven that storytelling is pretty paramount for what Marvel Studios wants to do. But I will say that they do have a a bit of a, at least pre-Infinity War, really sunny way of handling things. 
like nobody gets too grim it's it's never really that bad you know and the solution is always within an arm's reach so in that way mm-hmm. i could see the concern but infinity war has changed the game and yeah. from what we're what we've seen of endgame so far you know this ain't all lollipops and sunshine either so right. i think disney has listened to the consumers oh yeah they're listening to the dollar yep. too i mean the way I look at it, Disney cares about returns and money, and Marvel Studios cares about the story. And I think it's evident when you look at what Marvel Studios has put out versus other, well, you know, their competitors, DC and Warner Brothers. If you look at what they've done versus what Marvel Studios has done, it's night and day. And I think because the people who are greenlighting the films and who care about the stories and actually care, and I'm not saying the DC people don't care, but I think it's a little more personal when it's directly related to you versus you know a sister company or something like that kind of it's just my two but cents. i don't know that that's completely valid because if you look at um what dc films were doing you know they hired somebody who was dc proper jeff johns was kind of to be the kevin feige over there um i mean he's written you know amazing stuff for dc comics so he knows his stuff. He's invested. Uh, I just don't know that he had the chops in the movie industry to kind of make it work. And I'm not really sure mm-hmm. what his role is currently. And even even Jeff John's hiring was kind of a bandaid over a bullet wound because that came after the uh, Snyder Gate when they had to bring in Joss Whedon for Justice League. So mm-hmm. they seem to be on the right track, though. I think. They, I mean, they certainly are on the right track right now with with Aquaman kind of going through the roof. Yeah, uh, I think they've hit the billion mark already, and they haven't even been out that long. That's encouraging that they seem to be riding the ship a little bit. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think they're a little bit behind the eight ball, and they've shot themselves in the foot. But that's another episode, and that's you know something we've touched on a little bit For sure. um, last season. I feel like between. Um, Aquaman and with Shazam <laughs> that they are in the right track. It's just now they have to I guess it forces them to be better writers because they have to incorporate the baggage that they created with Justice League and Batman v Superman and all the other bad decisions that have been made. That can all be fixed with an awesome movie. People yeah, got short memories. And also like I said too it just forces them to write better too so that would all you know, go into the development of a better dc movie for sure last week we talked a lot about <laughs> avengers in game and what we think will happen and what we uh what kind of like how we would play it out and this week it kind of picks up a little bit from there because we you know we talked about silver surfer being the one who rescues tony and dropping him off on earth and you know that would be the end of his cameo in that movie but then we started thinking, like, what would that mean for the bigger picture in the entire MCU? We know the Fox-Disney deal is close to being done, and we've heard executives talk about, you know, incorporating these characters sooner rather than later. So, you know, it got our minds, our nerd minds spinning about what may be in store. And I think we talked about it last episode, just with the appearance of Silver Surfer, that means so much. Because we know after Infinity War, after Endgame, Thanos and Infinity Stone storyline's done. So what's next? 
I mean, you need to have a big bad, like the big overlord that, you know, who becomes the new Thanos, somebody who is not going to be a direct threat, but it's clearly a problem that has to be resolved somewhere down the line. My mind automatically went to Galactus for sure. Indeed. But it could be any number of things, right? If they opted to, it could be the timing probably wouldn't work because this crap fest called Dark Phoenix is coming out. But that would have been <laughs> a good thing to address as well. So here's I'm going to pause you right there because I don't think Dark Phoenix is ever going to get released. I think the Fox deal is going to happen. It's going to be done. And I believe Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, is, both those movies will be pulled and we will never, ever see them except unlike YouTube when the final cut gets released by, you know, some employee or something secretly. I don't think we're going to see those in theaters. They got release dates for this year. And yeah, that can change. And it's too much money invested, especially in Dark Phoenix. After the reshoots, I think their budget is like $200 million. So they're probably going to take a loss regardless. There's no way they're going to just let those sit. That's too much of an investment. No, I think they could. I really do. Because, I mean, that's all on Fox. If Marvel buys it, if they close the deal with 21st Century Fox, I mean, yeah, 21st Century Fox has invested, you know, almost $300 million or maybe a little bit more in these movies. But, hey, if they don't want to release them and they see them and they're like, look, this is not going to help us relaunch these characters or things like that i really wouldn't be surprised if they've shelved the movies i mean it's happened with other you know and they're not franchise movies but it's happened with other movies before where they started filming stuff and they're like you know like yeah we're not gonna release right where they you know just close production i and that's that's just my hope because it does not look like a good movie no it doesn't i think what is making me also believe they're gonna go ahead and release it it released them um they made announcements that the other movies that were in development have been shelved. So no Gambit, no Doom, mm-hmm. no uh, X Force for now, no Kitty Pride, which I am, I'm perfectly and okay uh, with. Multiple Man all had movies in development, all scrapped. And I agree, I'm okay with all it's of good. that. But yeah, I think there's gonna have to be a a large presence. I'd like to see. Not even that I would like to see Galactus just kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I think to introduce those characters is pretty easy because Galactus could have exist- existed without the Earthbound heroes ever knowing anything about him. Right. Oh, so yeah. you could just he could just kind of show up and it wouldn't be this big shock like, OK, well, where has he been all this time? Why? You know, it, it would make sense. And it could be something as simple as, you know, Odin knew. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Thor knew, but why would Stark know something about this? This is something that's happening, you know, clear across the universe. Um, right. So my theory about, you know, Silver Surfer being the one to answer Tony's call, obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> but if it did. Right. <laughs> but another way that you can introduce them is, you know, Surfer is still a herald for Galactus. And, mm-hmm. you know, how they Marvel loves their post credit scenes. That would be the way I would introduce Galactus and the Silver Surfer is Surfer is, you know, within his role as the Herald and he's making contact 
with someone earthbound hmm. or you know giving the announcement like get get your house in order cuz galactus is going to going to eat you guys <laughs> <laughs> he is hungry i mean i guess in some ways Not- that was the the role that ebony maw played in infinity war so they'd have to tweak it a little bit mhm but uh, there i think there's room in there to do it in that way at least that's how i would do it i would introduce it very simply um you know post credit scene norn rad and maybe he's not on earth maybe maybe that is how you could do it you could show him um acting as a herald for galactus on some other planet and then mm-hmm. you see um after the destruction of whatever planet that was, you see Galactus, you know, his face screenshot over. You see way off in the distance, a little blue speck. Zoom in. It's Earth. Fade to black. Mm-hmm. I like it. That'd be great for the, for the incorporating these characters in because one thing with Galactus, he doesn't need that much backstory. And two, I don't know if fans if they'll be patient enough to sit through, you know, five movies for the next big bad villain to show up. You know what I mean? I don't think they would have a choice. And I I don't see why they wouldn't be, because the same way that we got Thanos at this point, you know, it's not like other things weren't happening. Things were still going down. It's just that Thanos was always this this presence after the initial Avengers movie, he was around, you know. So, mm-hmm. yes, Cap had to deal with the fallout of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, Thor had the, what was it, the Frost Giants or whatever he was dealing with in Thor 2. The Dark Elves. Thank you, the Dark Elves. Um, and then Tony, you know, having the, the issue with Whiplash and... Don't call him that. <laughs> I mean, Don't. that was his... No, that was his name. <laughs> We know who you're talking about. We're we're not going to respect <laughs> respect that well written we, comic villain by by calling this screen my build my build. <laughs> but yeah, so throughout all of that, you know, right. Thanos is is around. And then we get Guardians, you know, and we're more directly speaking to his presence. Mm-hmm. But even aside from that, he's always kind of there. And I think Galactus would be the same way. You know, he's he's kind of always going to be around. But there's there's always going to be a problem, you know, right in front of you to deal with. So you may not have the, the luxury of dealing with the cosmic. Right. Until it's at your back door. Right. Well, the, and the reason I say, you know, they may not be patient enough to to sit for through a couple movies like that. Like, yeah, I agree. We we did, you know, have a dozen movies before Infinity War. You know, it's the same kind of the same song and dance. If Marvel is doing this whole thing, alluding to like, oh, Galactus is coming. Wait, guys. You know, it's kind of like the same thing over and over again. Where we're like, oh, Thanos is coming. We know he's coming. Either way, I think it'd be dope. But at the same time, I feel like Marvel would probably only have a year, year and a half to to introduce him. I mean, it's I, I, which is nah. unfortunate because he is such a dynamic character and he is such a threat to the world and to the universe. But I just feel like they'd have to address it a little bit sooner. That's all. I disagree because they still have two of the biggest 
villains in Marvel that they still have to introduce. Like they're bigger than Galactus as far as popularity and impact, but Galactus is literally bigger than they are. <laughs> and I want to so, see an, a, a real Galactus too, not like agreed. Weird agreed. Space I don't cloud, the cloud of dust. That was stupid. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. The less said about that, the better. Yeah. So then how would you introduce Surfer slash Galactus? I would. I mean, this is <laughs> carrying over from last week, and he's the one who actually rescues Tony. All right. I would actually, and just thinking it out now, I would have him actually, like you said, drop him off on Earth, you know, catch, find him in space and be like, who are you? What are you? And Tony's like, I'm a human. I'm from, you know, planet Earth. And he's like, Earth, because he's kind of, you know, he hasn't really heard of it. And okay. he drops Tony off there. And you're like, okay, cool. This guy's, you know, he's awesome. He he dropped Tony off. And then you see nothing. And I like your idea of a post-credit scene. But in the post-credit scene, he goes to, you know, he meet back with Galactus. And he's, you know, like, Master, I've discovered a new planet for you or something like that. Yeah. And it fades to black. It's kind of along the same lines as what you told, but I just think that the next movie would be, I mean, that introduces Silver Surfer and uh, Galactus. So would we see a standalone Silver Surfer movie in the meantime, before Galactus gets to gets to Earth? Maybe well, shows him turning against Galactus? Well, there and, is talk of that. Um, Adam McKay from mm-hmm. Anchorman fame apparently has been in talks with Kevin Feige literally about that um about the idea of a, a standalone silver surfer movie i'm sure the talks haven't gone very far right now mm-hmm. uh but the fact that they have had those discussions and are publicly telling us about it tells me right. that you know it's more than just uh, a fleeting thought at this point right you know what I just thought about something. So, I mean, we're speculating, of course. We have our end scenes, and they're both pretty similar. It ends with Silver Surfer approaching Thanos. Not Thanos, I'm sorry. Words getting back to Galactus about Earth. What if Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 now involves a storyline about Silver Surfer and Galactus and everything like this? So this is all post-Endgame. Right, and and now they're addressing the storyline. And let's say the Guardians meet Silver Surfer. They intercept him, and you know Peter's like, he he's like, I've heard of this guy. He's he's bad business. Blah blah blah. He's like, hey, that's my home. I got to stop this guy. And that's what the movie's about. In that movie, we get either a full one eighty turn when when Silver Surfer goes against Galactus, or plants the seeds for in the future. So now you have it set up. You've introduced Galactus. In Endgame, you have Volume 3, which is kind of like carrying that storyline over and that threat because you know Galactus is headed towards Earth because, you know, it's a, I don't know, perfect planet for him. I don't know what people eat planets, look for in planets. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, that would be just be a pretty cool way to incorporate the two and carry over from one concluding storyline to one new storyline. And then you have a little bit more time to expand on the story and, and flesh it out. I mean, Adam McKay is, you know, he's a comedic director, and that's why I'm like, oh, he's comedy. Guardians would be perfect. I mean, not the style-wise, but just the humor that James Gunn has found in the galaxy for these stories. There's something to that. 
McCain's done serious films, though. He did The Big Short, and he just did Vice also. And there's elements of humor there as well, but those are two very serious movies. Mm-hmm. So I think he has the ability to kind of go whatever direction he needed to. I like the idea of the Guardians crossing paths with Surfer, but they are way out of the league at that point. Oh, like, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't want to see the Guardians trying to tangle with Surfer at all. It'd be a 45-second movie. Well, they got nothing for him. Like, nothing. Yeah, I'm thinking it over now. They don't, unless somehow Peter still has his dad's powers. And? But then, I too- still I still think they got nothing for him. Like, the closest that they could have with that is if somehow Thor joins the ranks of the Guardians. Mm-hmm. And even then... That's just enough to... Ooh, a reverse Ragnarok. I like it. There you go. That'd just be enough for them to be brave enough to say that we can try to face them. They still wouldn't have a chance, even with Thor. Well, in that case, too, there could be a warning that's sent out. Like, okay, Peter's heard of Galactus. He's heard of his heralds and things like that. And he's like, you know, he realizes, hey, we can't take them all. We need help. You know, we need to... Number one, we need help to kind of slow him down number two we need to get word to earth right and then in <laughs> this is the problem with speculation and then with in this scenario you know where the infinity gems not that i want them used in the movie again because that would just be like a tropey right or a trope but i do think it just challenges the writers to write better for sure because it may be it could be kind of like Rogue One for Marvel, except nobody, you know, not everybody dies at the end. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Rogue One. But it could be like the Rogue One of Marvel where you like going into you kind of like, these guys are doomed from the get-go, but let me see how they play out the storyline. And yeah, they right. may not succeed at the end, but could be an entertaining two hours. Yeah. I don't think there's anything, there's no real precedent for that particular storyline though where the guardians would be crossing paths there so they would be creating something new which is not necessarily bad but if you do that then you still have to figure out a way to work in everybody else whereas if you have you know you take the framework of something that already exists Mm -hmm. and you just kind of tweak something here or there to to fit it then that would be I think a little easier to work with and easier for us as the consumers to kind of follow along with what's happening. Right. Yeah. And I agree. You said there's no precedent, but this is where, and I can't remember if this is one of the things we are going to discuss in a future episode, but original stories for the movies versus taking storylines from the comics, which would we prefer to see? And even because this hasn't happened in the comic books, it's not really implausible in the movie universe, you know? Yeah. I mean, it kind of is because you're like, the universe is, you know, gigantic. It's infinite. Um, what are the right. odds that, you know, these guys would intersect and blah, blah, blah. But then that totally takes Infinity War and washes it down the drain, too. So, you know, as a consumer and let's face it, a lot of the people who are going to these movies aren't comic book readers. Right. Uh, overall, um or they <laughs> they know of of the storylines from the movies and think that they're the experts but haven't read a comic book. So I don't think I think a lot of moviegoers wouldn't have too big of an issue with something like that because they'd be like, "Oh, 
cool. Like, I can see this happening. I can see them this intersecting. Yeah, but then again, you mentioned something along, like, how does this affect the overall storyline and, and, like, the team up? I think, oh, I was more thinking about the next group on our list, which would have been the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Like, this directly affects them, so oh. I would not want to spend a whole movie getting to know Galactus and the Silver Surfer, and we haven't even met the first family yet. <laughs> We've both kind of talked about how we would introduce Surfing and Galactus into the universe. Yep. I mean, we can jump to the Fantastic Four if you want, because it kind of goes hand in hand. Very much so. Here's how I'll tie it, I guess. That's kind of why I would have liked to have seen like a flash of the surfer, just so that we now know that, hey, the Fantastic Four exists. But I wouldn't do a full movie there. As far as how the Fantastic Four comes to the MCU, that's a little more challenging. Mm-hmm. I have one of two ways it can be done. One, you go the Captain Marvel route, uh, where it's time prior to. And even though they kind of did this with the Wasp, mm-hmm. um, they're kind of lost in time. Maybe not lost in time, but they're lost in a negative zone. Right? Okay. Trapped in a negative zone. They get yanked out. Or something happens that they then return. Kind of have the you know person out of time like you did with Captain America. There's that's one way of doing it right bringing it bringing them from a a time before like they were here then they were gone and now they're back or it could be something brand new and i would hate to do a retelling of their origin story but it could just be that reed is a scientist and go from there you know Mm -hmm. space travel is not a unusual thing at this point Uh, So maybe, you know, maybe Reed Richards exists as this super genius. You know, we hear about the work that he's doing. Uh, He would obviously come up on the radar of somebody like Tony Stark or at least someone at Stark Tech. Mm -hmm. Uh, Parker would probably know about him. So you could have those people making references to Reed Richards. And as other things are happening, you know, maybe you get a, a news clipping that shows that Richards is going on a space exploration. Mm-hmm. And then we all kind of know what happens from there. Come back. And now we got the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving it open. Kind of. Yeah. Because the details can. That's where I think you take a little creative license. And you certainly don't go beat by beat from what was in the comics. First of all, it was written in the 60s. So you'd have to tweak some things to make it work not only for screen but for the time that we're, we would be showing it but I think one of those two options are a way to introduce them I like that I would t- lift a page from Spider-Man Homecoming to introduce the Fantastic Four okay I, I don't want <laughs> I don't want to see another uh, origin story for them just because it's been done poorly before and I feel like people are mostly familiar with, with uh, Fantastic Four I don't know if they do though I really don't. I think Spider-Man, his story is definitely much more well-known, mm-hmm. uh, really, than most. I, I would say it's... And he gets bit by a radioactive spider, and his uncle is murdered. Right. People That's know that. It, yeah. And then the just macabre factor of seeing Uncle Ben die over and over and over again. It's kind of like with the Waynes. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing him die all the time is just kind of too much. Right. Uh, in this case, you know, there is no 
tragedy as the origin. Uh, right. At least not for at least not for the, those four. No, but I just mean people know that they got their powers through science experiment. Yeah, but I think because we had two different iterations of them. Um, <laughs> Nobody saw both. the second one. <laughs> but they, but they, ah, no, nah, enough people saw it because no, people were true. mad, mad about Michael B. Jordan. That doesn't mean they saw it. That just means they saw the casting list and they were like, this oh. is true. But I think en- enough people know of it existing. I mean, there, there are some conflicts between the two that you almost have to do another origin story to say, hey, this is how this exists in this universe. Well, when I say origin story, I don't mean, you know, don't don't just automatically start the movie off like, hey, these guys exist. I um, mean, you have to explain it. Right. But I just mean I don't want an entire movie explaining their origin and explaining and showing them like, hey, you know, they did this experiments. Hey, they got powers. Oh, look, now they're learning to use them. Oh, look, now they're like, oh, we must use these powers for good. Now they I see what you're you saying. Know, I don't want to see that. I agree. And like the end of the movie is them coming together i agree with that yeah i don't want to see that so when i say i would like to see something along the routes of spider-man homecoming where you flash back to after the battle of new york remember michael keaton his crew was cleaning up the technology and the government came in and confiscated it spoiler alert if you haven't seen spider-man homecoming anyway (laughs) we're just going to start like an alarm whenever there's a spoiler alert Right. Anyway, they keep some of it, and then he starts using it to develop tech to, you know, perform heists. Right. On the opposite side of that, I'd like to see where it's like the government's reverse engineering the technology, and Reed Richards is contracted out to kind of work on this, and he's working on it, you know, from a peaceful perspective. He's like, hey, I'm not going to, you know, help you guys create weapons, and the arm of the government that he's working for is obviously not going to be shield or anything like that. They're like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll do this with that. So he uses it to work on ways to improve human transportation, human standards of living, and things like that. Yes. Even if they do the traditional space flight or whatever, I'm cool with that. But that's how they get their powers. That's the flash, or that's how it's explained. And now you understand from the point of the New York invasion or the incident, whatever you want to call it, they've had their powers. And over the course of years, maybe they've seen other heroes stand up and they're like, you know, we have these powers, we have to use them. And they've been, you know, heroes kind of like in the background or not involved in some of the major MCU storylines, but they've been around. So maybe like you said, with the newspaper article, you see an article, Fantastic Four saves the day again. And it's some, you know, something that's happening. I don't know. They, they, kept a train from falling off the track i don't know nothing that hokey but something that shows the viewer that these guys have been active for a while and that way you can skip the whole becoming a superhero montage and all this other stuff that goes along with origin stories and you can jump kind of directly into the storyline that addresses whoever the villain is in this case and i don't think it necessarily has to be their movie that it happens in i think that you can have that journey take place in somebody else's movie We've seen that in a couple of different cases where, you know, heroes are getting piloted in somebody else's film. I think that will probably be the model going forward. It worked very well with with Spider-Man. It worked very well with Black Panther. So by the time you get to those solo movies, you didn't really need to set anything else up. We already understand that one, these characters exist in this universe. But two, we kind of have an idea of how they came to be who they are. And so now we can just kind of get down to business 
with whatever it is that they're going to be attacking in that movie. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I mean, I could see that too. I think it's harder to use another movie to springboard the Fantastic Four unless, I mean, I like that theory, but I, I think it's kind of hard unless there's something already in the works that you could use to launch them. As just people or as heroes? As heroes. I mean, as people, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, as soon as the deal closes, I accept that Reed Richards and Sue Storm and Johnny Storm, they all exist um, in Ben Grimm in the MCU universe now. It's just at what point in the timeline have they existed from as heroes? I mean, that's the only thing that really matters. And also, too, another thing about the way I would play it is that Reed and Sue aren't <laughs> aren't really known to be uh, in a romantic relationship outwardly maybe it's some sort of covert affair thingy just because they're co-workers i think that'd be a different angle to play where that's interesting they're involved but not i think that'd be something interesting to play with just because sometimes you know governments have kind of requirements that if you work with them that you can't you know date your co-worker your underling and things like that so i think that'd be an interesting dynamic for the storyline to kind of change it up enough. Yeah. I could see that. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. One thing I would like to see with this group. Can we get an age appropriate Sue Storm? <laughs> like I don't need it. I don't need a 20 year gap between Reed and Sue anymore. It's movies for you though. It's the leading man. You know, obviously all middle aged men can score late 20 something women. Sure. <laughs> and I, and I don't, you know, discredit that I'm that exists. <laughs> <laughs> but we've seen that a million times. Let's right. get something else. So you don't want Jessica Alba back? Uh, certainly not for this. <laughs> I think she's actually age appropriate now. She might be. Yeah, but, but no, she's, I'm just kidding. She, she was horrid as Sue Storm. I, it was a bad cast in general. I get you. The only one that got right was Chris actually Evans. Chris Evans. Chris Evans was, was a good Johnny Storm. Oh, Michael Chiklis? Michael Chiklis. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I like Michael Chiklis. Mm-hmm. Those were two solid casting. Actually, the casting, other than Jessica Alba, really wasn't bad. It just wasn't a good movie. No, no, it wasn't. It was, I don't know, just something about it that just wasn't right. And then, two, another thing I would completely avoid in this movie is any mention of Victor Von Doom, other than, like, a news article or passing or, you know, you hear something about... Latveria helping Sokovia rebuild after the events of Age Ultron or something like that. That's the only mention of him I want to see. I don't want to see Doom in another Fantastic Four movie unless it's like a sequel or the third one or something like that. Like he they have more villains than him. He's the best though. Mm-hmm. Like I want I want Doctor Doom involved in the MCU as soon as possible. Doesn't have to be the Fantastic Four movie, but I need him I need him there. <laughs> And I, I like exactly what you said. Placing Liberia near Sokovia. Mm-hmm. Like, they should have to deal with the fallout of the Ultron incident. That's your introduction with Doom. I think there's no better way of doing so. Either that or that should be a part of it. The only other way I see it working is... We can see Doom observing what Wakanda is doing, and he's just just interested, hmm. you know. And and I guess it's hard to see a smirk on Doom's face, but so in this instance, he's 
he pre-exists as, as Doom, so he's not. We don't get an origin story for Doom either. He's just evil. He may not even necessarily be evil. He's, well, you know what I mean, he's, he's just a, a monarch. That's all we'll know. I mean, eventually, yes, we'll have to get some sort of backstory. Mm-hmm. But as an initial introduction, I'd like to see it. You know, he's just a government official as far as we know. You know what I would really like to see is Doom as a Putin-like figure who's... yes kind of just doing things in the world and nobody's kind of like responding to him or i would like to see that i think that would be interesting on the screen and something interesting to address in a story or he's just like quietly getting this consolidation of power Mm -hmm. that nobody's really paying attention to because you know stuff is falling out the sky right you got donuts hovering over new york city and Something yeah. happening in Africa. Yeah, people tends turn to make into a, dust. <laughs> <laughs> tends to turn people's attention away, I'd say. But Doom, being who he is, you know, will take advantage of those situations and just mm-hmm. bide his time. And he's, you know, a master strategist. And when the time is right for him to make a move, he will. He's another, you know, character who can exist as like this shadowy figure. Right. That is a problem to be addressed later. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, you could introduce him in a similar way to what we said about Galactus. You know, we see a little bit of him. You know, we see this happening, but there's nothing to address yet. And Doom is going to be interesting. Right. Because he can be a foil for really whomever. And eventually, I mean, we've seen him raised to the really the highest of heights, mm-hmm. you know, for, for Doom to have stolen power from the Beyonder. For him to have, you know, created his own universe, essentially. Mm-hmm. Not a man to be trifled with, for sure. Now, one thing I've, I was thinking about, too, is if Fantastic Four is operating post the incident or post attack in New York, they would have had to register with the superhero courts. In order to be active. Mm-hmm. So that, They didn't necessarily have to do that, though. Well, otherwise, they would have been arrested and placed under house arrest like Ant-Man. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. The only reason that happened to them is because they insisted on fighting crime. You got to assume that there are powered individuals who didn't register, who just like, nah, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything with these powers, but I'm, I'm certainly not going to register. I'm sorry. So I'm saying in, in the incident or the, the storyline I was talking about where they're working with the government, you know, as a contractor and everything like that. And that's how they get their powers. Well, now they're agents kind of of the government. Got it. In an instance. Which I think would be interesting because then it lets Tony Stark kind of follow a more comic book role where he becomes involved in operations of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. So now Reed reports to Tony or something like that. You know, Tony is a reserve member of the Avengers now. He's a retired member of the Avengers and now he's overseeing the Fantastic Four initiative or whatever you want to call it. And the new S.H.I.E.L.D.? I could see Mm -hmm. that. So I think that, that ties it all together too. And at the Which, same time, it helps. Oh, that would be awesome if they did that. What's that? I'm just thinking if Tony Stark becomes the, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., that mm-hmm. would be that'd be pretty dope. Well, I'm just saying, too, and then in, our, in, in the universe, too, where Von Doom is puppeteering things behind the scene and he's a national you know, agitator, that could become an epic storyline to begin with. And now, you know, as far as franchises go, where Captain America has dealt more with, like, international and espionage and things like that versus just a classic action movie 
it kind mm-hmm. of puts that in a new field for Fantastic Four where they become where their fights have international implications even before if and when or if, if he ever comes Galactus shows up right hmm I like it hire us Marvel I mean it's, it's real simple and I'm cheap yeah pretty much and just give me royalties on um on box office returns that's all I want facts and, you know just point oh oh one percent I'm good I definitely think that these are some real viable options and if you guys disagree with us let us know if you think like hey I, I like what you did here but here's where you know you go wrong at let us know because you know it's all just fun and games until we we actually hear what what's coming from marvel studios for sure now one thing too you now you mentioned an age-appropriate sue storm i know it's kind of off the cuff but who would you kind of cast as the the members of the fantastic four or even von doom or okay let me think so i was thinking of uh the casting for that and like i said i I didn't come up with this one but once i saw it i could not unsee it and i cannot see anybody else in this role john krasinski as reed richards and naturally emily blunt as sue storm for johnny storm zach efron i like that i'm struggling with that one actually uh, the thing yeah, he's hard because he's covered in rock <laughs> right right so it <laughs> and, really and before he changes like, who cares kind of but i also feel like it should be like a big big dude to start so who came to mind for me initially was john cena but john cena is like too pretty for them to, to cast <laughs> as the thing so it would have to be somebody like Goldberg. I definitely would want a wrestler, though. Oh, I like that. Because then you keep it in line with, like, Guardians with uh, Drax and... Right. Yeah. Batista. And he's he's going to be gone soon anyway. I want somebody of that stature. So I'm going to go with Goldberg for now. Okay. For Doom? Like Dolph Lundgren, Ooh. maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. That'd be my casting. I like that. Um, I was going to go, there was, uh, one of the guys, I can't remember, was it, um, oh man, what movie was that? It was like a European Madonna's ex-husband. It was like a Romanian gangster or something. I think he would be a good dude, but I can't remember his name. I like Dolph Lundgren. So I am going to change Reed and I'm going to change okay. Sue and just hear me out. Okay. Reed, Timothy Oliphant from Justified. Okay. Sue, Charlize Theron. I could see that. Charlize Theron is amazing in uh, action Anything movies. she does. Yes. Right. And I think she would be a freaking fantastic Sue. Um, Krasinski Ba-doops. and Emily Blunt. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nice. Good one, Josh. But no, I think those two actors would be pretty good in the role. And they're both, you know, within the same age range where it's not too young for the character or anything like that. Right. Zach Efron, I actually really, really, really like that casting. Yeah, that's absolutely perfect. <laughs> I just thought of something that would be funny to keep along with the wrestler. How about Hulk Hogan is the thing? I'm kidding. But... <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, brother. Time, brother. <laughs> but yeah, those are the only, only two actors I really change uh, for, okay. for those two. 
But Krasinski and, Bl- and Emily Blunt too, I think would be would be nice. Yeah, I do like Charlize Theron and like anything. Mm-hmm. But Charlize Theron would be so dope. Sue Storm, I. Think. I would almost want to save her for a bigger role. Not that Sue Storm isn't big, but she often gets overshadowed by the family dynamic. But I guess I could say the same thing about Emily Blunt in that case. Like those those two women are definitely you know forces onto themselves which would be good for the role i think it could kind of evolve her a bit maybe she doesn't just have to get swallowed up into the collective and you know really have an opportunity to kind of stand on her own and if you have one of those two or any number of you know really talented strong actresses could bring that out for the character i can dig it those are i think although they weren't easy (laughs) i think those are the easier characters because when you're talking galactus you know that's cosmic we already have uh exposure to that so it's not that far of a stretch to get there right with the fantastic four they are earth-based heroes we know that their powers came from uh some sort of a science experiment mm-hmm. whether it was in space or on earth you and give you right. powers if it goes wrong that's hilarious so we can we can you know kind of go along the ride with that doom is a you know monarch and we got a couple of made-up countries already so it wouldn't be so far of a leap you know to make latveria a neighboring country to sokovia Mm -hmm. how the heezy would we be able to introduce a whole race of people and they not have been there the whole time I'm talking about the x-men ladies and gentlemen boom surprise it, you didn't know we knew about the x-men did you <laughs> <laughs> but it gets bigger than that oh it's bigger than Nino brown <laughs> it's bigger than you know just the the superheroes like yes they are a part of it but they are a part of a collective you know, group of people, mm-hmm. the mutants. So, you know, you can't have one without the other. How on earth do we get this? You know, how do you how do you have this race of people just kind of come out of nowhere in order for us to get the X-Men? That's right. a tough one. Yes. But because Ooh. JB has all the answers, I got one for this one, too. <laughs> Let's hear it. I have a few, actually, but I'll I'll go with this one. No, you can spit them all at us. Let's see. So you all may or may not have heard of the character name Scarlet Witch. You may have seen her in a movie or two. So last episode, I gave you guys some homework, and I told you to read, if you had not, that I suggested that you read Avengers Disassembled and House of M. You could do, you could end up with a reverse of the House of M situation where instead of the three words that she whispered to cause devastation to the mutant race, I think I did a pretty good job of not spoiling anything there. (laughs) If you don't know how, never mind. (laughs) She could do something similar to that and... Instead of it being a devastation, it becomes a manifestation. 
Now, why she would choose to say those words, I'll leave that up to the writers. But I think it could be magic slash science based mm-hmm. to unlock something that may have been dormant in people. But she could be something that brings it out of all of those people. Okay. What's number two? The effects of the snap. Mm-hmm. Whatever they've had to do to reverse. I mean, it's a pretty similar concept to what I just said about Scarlet Witch. Uh, but instead of it being from her, she being the cause of it, uh, it becomes, you know, whatever steps they had to take to reverse the effects of the snap have the same effect on people who have had these dormant traits unlocked. Mm-hmm. Or, and this was one that was sparked, and I, I think I talked about this season one, the quantum realm. Okay. There was something that the Wasp said during Ant-Man and the Wasp. The Wasp Senior? Yes. Janet. There was something that she was discussing while being in the quantum realm that made me think this could be the key to unlocking the mutant race also. Mm-hmm. I'll have to go back and revisit what it was, but it was it was there. It was something about like... I know the scene you're talking about when she was describing how she survived and everything yes. like that in the environment. Yeah. Yes. I can't remember exactly what she what she said. And I didn't think about it at the time. I remember you bringing it up and I was like, "Huh." I didn't it went over my head. But yeah, that would be a backdoor for them to introduce mutants to the MCU. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I can't say I agree or I would go down those routes. Um I have a couple of ideas. Okay and where they can go one i think might be fairly controversial but i think it would it would be in line with how some writers wrote the character and some writers who may be directors of movies that we like but anyway i'll start off i would like the idea that you know they lift some elements from the comics especially you know the early 90s versions where the mutant population is starting to grow. I mean, it's always been a part of the population for the past, you know, 50 years or something in, in growing, but at that point it starts growing at a, at a greater pace than, than before. So I say all that to say that I would like to see them to treat those characters as if they've always existed, okay. but they haven't been that large in number in comparison to humans. So... I mean, by the time these movies are taking place in between, you know, 2008 and 2017, and we're not sure if that's the actual year on the big screen, too, or if we are, I apologize for my ignorance. But, I mean, just based on the calculation, if mutants are, you know, a small percentage of the population, there may be 8 million, maybe 10 million at the most worldwide. And in comparison to billions of people, that's not that's not a lot. So that could be something a way they could explain their lack of acknowledgement. I could see that. Maybe it's something that, like, Fury or somebody was keeping an eye on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're tracking them, and all of a sudden they're like, you know, hey, yeah, these people were powers. I mean, because they did did that with Ant-Man. You know, they they basically said, hey, superheroes have existed for years. Right. And they did that with Ant-Man by him operating during the Cold War and everything like that. Right. So it wouldn't be that hard. I mean, it is kind of hard. Like you said, this is an entire race of people <laughs> that's not getting any screen time on 
or acknowledgement in these in any of the, the dozen movies that have come out. But I think if handled correctly, it can be addressed where it's uh, satisfactory. Now, another theory I have, and, and this is one I think could be a little bit controversial, is mutants have been around for years. The X Men have, and we know the X Men in either scenario, the X Men operate kind of in secret, right? That I'm laying out, but. In this scenario, the X-Men have operated in secret, but in order to kind of help keep everything under wraps, or so to speak, or keep peace and keep mutant activity kind of underground, and it's super controversial, and even I don't know how I feel about it, Xavier's using some of his power to kind of downplay what's happening. Yikes. Yeah. Which... (sighs) They'll come for you for that one, sir. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But... I mean, Josh Whedon would be all for it because he's the one who said Xavier captured the da- when the danger room became sentient and he still forced it to work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was that was pretty rough. That was stupid. I think that'd be a kind of far off, but I think it would be interesting, too, because it's a different take in the character we know and, and you know, his kind of mission for peaceful coexistence with humanity and how he would justify doing that. I mean, that right. would be a massive breach also of privacy. Huge, huge fundamental change to the character, too. Mm-hmm. But then again, maybe, you know, like I said, mutant, mutants have been around for a while. And he's, you know, let's say the spike in mutant, the mutant population didn't exist or didn't start, ha- you know, wasn't happening in the 2000s. What if it was happening in the 70s? Right. What if it was happening in the 80s? Right. So now the United States goes from, you know, post-civil rights era to an anti-mutant era. So there could be ways where he justifies it. But then long term, how does that affect the X-Men characters in the MCU? I don't right. know. Right. But I'm just introducing them to the universe and kind of explaining, like you said, where, hey, it's eight million. It's a 10 million of these people. Where have they been? Right. Where were they? You know, Westchester's an hour north of Manhattan. Where were they during the Battle of New York? Exactly. Oh, maybe they were taking care of the ones out in their neighborhood. I don't know. But I think it's an artistic kind of creative way to I think it's kind of lazy too. <laughs> the second my second theory, because just like, oh, yeah, Xavier was manipulating people. I right. Really like it. I think it's it'd be an interesting way to to go. But I don't know how I feel about that one. But I do like. I like my first theory or my first storyline better just because, you know, it's, it, it kind of says like, hey, mutants have been around. Like you said, this part of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been monitoring them and it doesn't really see them as that imminent of a threat. Now, the ones who have been, you know, who are viewed as a threat, maybe, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. or, you know, some other dark government agency is like capturing mutants and forcing them to wear the depowering collars and things like that, you know, and it's been happening and it's just, and it just isn't being talked about. That could be, I mean, and I would, you know, really tie into the current climate of, you know, people hearing things and not knowing whether or not information they receive is accurate and mm-hmm. distrust from certain, you know, information sources. It could, that, that could work. Mm-hmm. And that solves a problem that, I was that I had with that because even if mutants did exist and you know shield or whomever is monitoring them that works for 
you know, oh, wow. Jubilee or Storm or Psylocke doesn't work so well for Beast or Nightcrawler or Angel. Right. Anybody who doesn't look human. Well, Angel has money, so he's fine. Yeah, he's got dough. Warren Worthington is fine. Just pays a little bit more to get his, his clothes tailored, but, you know, he'll be all right. right. You just need a harness, fold his wings in, and he's all right. Mm-hmm. Just tuck it in. <laughs> I am not touching that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's literally what he was doing, though. Right. Tuck his wings in, got a harness. It works for, you know, the mutants who could pass for human. Right. But for those who can't, or any of the Morlocks, for that matter, there's no way that these people can hide. Well, the Morlocks, so, the Morlocks hit underground. Like, yes, they were to come above ground in instances, but... That just goes to rumors of New York City. And even, right. you know, in, in real life, there are rumors about sewer people in New York and stuff like that. Right. So, and then going back to, you know, sources of your news, like maybe there is, you know, a Daily Bugle article like, hey, there was something that happened, you know, in this neighborhood. And uh, maybe they're reporting on an incident that happened in this neighborhood. And, you know, the police are labeling it as, you know, a terrorist attack or something like that. And that's how that's how they're playing off, you know, incidents of mutants using their power in public as, you know, it's it's a terrorist attack or potential terrorist attack or it's, you know, it was just a, you know, gang thing or something like that where they're mislabeling like yes something did happen and yeah the people who were there kind of saw what was going on but they're explaining it away as you know something that's more common unfortunately in life right so, i can see that on you know, so, like some found footage stuff right now in the now nowadays it would be harder though because everyone has camera phones so right and in your view of mutants in the mcu are instead of like because every mutant's not going to hide underground the ones who can live as, as a normal life will probably do so. The ones who can't will probably go into hiding. And yes, some will use their power for their own gain, whether you right. do what you consider evil or whatever. But in the scenario, what you were talking about, since everyone does have you know a camera on their phone, this could probably be the thing that actually breaks out this mutant population or this mutant threat or mutation that's happening to people and it's like hey there's more and more footage coming out and this is not cgi effects you know there's a girl in california who blew up a jamba juice right. or something like that or there's this kid in chicago who spontaneously combusts and it's not johnny storm you know things like that where it becomes more known and that forces the government and people to kind of recognize like hey there's, you know, there's this other thing going on. I don't know how I feel about it. It's different. I don't like it. Some people, you know, I think people will be fanatical about it, whether you're going to have mutant imitators and worshipers. Mm-hmm. And then you have people who are going to be indifferent. You have people who are going to hate it. Um, either scenario, I would like for the X-Men to kind of remain behind the scenes or anonymous to most of the population. But as far as the mutant population goes, like as far as being aware of mutants in that universe, I would like to see it where it becomes something that's addressed throughout the movies. I think that's a worthy, a worthy thing of addressing because it it, it shines a mirror on the public, but it also shines a mirror on the heroes 
because, you know, when when people were having this anti-mutant rhetoric, the Avengers were aware of it. They didn't do nothing about it. Right. You know, and that's something that they would have to address. I, God, I fear. I, f- I absolutely fear what would happen if they tried to put that in the film. Like, what the backlash would be. My I God. think it'd, it'd be interesting, and I think it'd be a more of a social commentary, too, because it would be, you know, the Avengers maybe or at Xavier's mansion, and they're like, hey, we know who you are, or something like that. And Xavier's like, I know you know who we are, or right. maybe another character, and probably more of a Logan character, actually. And they're like, you know, you guys... And this is ignoring the superhero accords, but kind of like, hey, you guys need to help out or something like that. And, you know, somebody like a, a Wolverine is like, hey, where were you guys at when this division of S.H.I.E.L.D. was hunting us down or something like that? You know, it's like, why should we scratch well, your back when you weren't scratching ours? Right. I mean, and that's a and direct he, lift from Civil War, the comic. Tony went to try to recruit the X-Men. He went to see Emma and he was like, we need you, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, no, you know, we're not getting involved and in, we're not getting involved in your war. Her exact words to him were, where were the Avengers when our babies were burning? She was talking about Genosha, which was Ooh, Genosha. gut punch. Right. Right. Oh, man. It could all work. It certainly could all work. That was a pretty powerful moment there, but I, mm-hmm. I could totally see that happening now. Right. Someone trying to say that and that would likely be the response. It probably wouldn't be Emma, uh, but someone. Right. Well, that's why I said like a Logan character, because I think for sure uh, Xavier would be more balanced. Right. He would probably be like, look, we've remained in the in the dark for safety of ourselves and our people. Right. I mean, he's like the time hasn't come yet where people will accept mutants. He's like, and there's only getting more of us or something along those lines. Exactly. I feel like a, a Wolverine or somebody like that definitely would be like, nah, go shove it, dude. Get out of here. I think, um they would require a backdoor introduction as well. Like this, this would all have to take place or at least the acknowledgement of mutants existence would have to take place in another movie. I'm thinking it it would be something like what you're talking about. Someone coming to see Xavier. I wouldn't even use any dialogue to be honest with you. I would pan maybe the point of view that we're looking at is someone looking out the window of a, a vehicle, a limousine or a, a Hummer of some sort, but some sort of like official government vehicle, not even government. Maybe it's like someone Stark esque. Mm-hmm. Anyway, driving, driving, driving. You see the sign, you know, Xavier School for Gifted Students. Someone hops out. You hear him talking on the phone. Yeah, I'm here to see this guy, Xavier. I'll call you back. Call ends. You hear this gruff voice. What are you doing here, bub? Mm-hmm. You hear the pop of the claws. Maybe you even see it. Fade to black. No conversation, but it has said all that you need to know. No, I like it. And then, you know, obviously you go into, it goes into whatever, um, whatever the, the actual introduction would be for mm-hmm. the next film. I think that'd be dramatic, and I think that would be a great way to introduce them. Now think about this, too. Now remember in Thor, at the beginning of Thor, Odin gave basically a brief oral history of the Asgardians and basically laid out the foundation for Thor's pre-existence. Yes. Now, in X-Men, the original one, Patrick Stewart as Xavier talks about mutant kind. Not that I want to lift scenes, but 
I feel like out of all of these franchises, X-Men is one that can just kick off. And they can do that by starting the movie. And you can have Xavier talking over clips of mutants over the last, since it's the dawn of photography or whatever, I don't know. And you can have him talking about like, hey, we, mutant kind has been around for X amount of years and we've grown over the years and blah, blah, blah. And, and we've dealt with our own and things, you know, things like that to let them, the watcher know like, hey, they've had missions. They've, this has been going on for a while. Yes, right. some people are aware of it, but not humanity as a whole or aren't really in a loop. And then that kind of starts the movie because the X-Men are operating in the, in the dark. Then the movie's kind of free to take on whatever villain you want, not Magneto, because that's that's done. Let's save him. But you can have them addressing whatever situation going on in the movie and no one else really being aware from it, aware of what's going on because they already operate in the dark. And then, two, you can address how they've been in the MCU by showing perhaps in New York or even in Westchester show them fighting the invasion like have him say something along the lines of hey you know sometimes you know we fight battles that aren't really our own or something like that to protect humanity or to protect people in general whether they're mutant or not something to that effect to let them know like hey yeah these guys have been around in secret but they also kind of active as heroes or, or whatever and the world scene right and you see that through through what's played out on the screen it would have to be obviously very small things that they were doing otherwise they'd be newsworthy enough that they wouldn't be able to hide not yeah, necessarily be because ant-man he i mean he was with the government so of course they hushed it up but right if the government's like hey there's this weird stuff going on and they've been tracking it then but that's what i mean as far as things that they were doing they couldn't do anything on the level of say the the invasion of new york right that is something that everybody is going to know about well that's why i said of showing them in westchester you know specifically just being like hey what's going on here let's fight them off here and then we'll take the battle of new york but by the time you know they start making their way to new york it's done or something like that right you know it's like right. oh darn let's go home <laughs> back to the danger room right no that makes sense in that you know as as those things are happening they're so huge and so many people are affected by him that it would not have it would make sense you know that they would have been able to do something and still not not get noticed necessarily but what i mean as far as things that they they themselves are going to be working on it would be it would have to be on the scale of like a spider-man like almost very very local not necessarily only in westchester but wherever it's happening Mm -hmm. it can't be a big thing Otherwise, there's no way to stay hidden. Well, yeah, and most of it wouldn't be <laughs> mutant-centric mutant un- anyway. I was going to say mutant-on-mutant violence, you know, which nobody right. cares about. Right. No, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I, Honestly, I think a good villain would be a Mr. Sinister, somebody who's, Agreed. You know, who's Agreed. interested in genetics and who would be who'd be monitoring like people's genetics about it and then being like, oh, what else can I do? What can, what can I do with genetics? What, you know, I think that'd be an interesting villain for them to face off against in the first movie because he's big enough, but he's also small enough not to register on any, any radar because what he would be doing would be behind the scenes anyway. Right. So maybe they're noticing, you know, mutants are getting kidnapped and they're investigating that and it leads them to sinister. I don't know. I mean, this is just off the top of my head, but... That's a perfect villain for an introduction. Mm -hmm. One thing I was thinking of just in our discussion is if Sinister is the main villain, 
and then tying in Genosha, for some reason there's a higher mutant population in Genosha than anywhere else in the world, I guess per capita or something like that. So now he's focused in on Genosha, and because he's focused on there, that leads the X-Men who are investigating what he's doing and all these things that are happening to mutants across the world leads them there. And because the X-Men are led there, now Magneto's interests are peaked because he's like, what's happening to my people right. in Genosha? Right. I was thinking that they would all have not necessarily conflicting interests, but that would be the, the hot spot that kind of leads all parties to the same place. All with different motives, but everybody is seeing, or at least these are the people that are in the know. So they're seeing what's happening and they are like, look, we got to go investigate and or help or stop depending on what your your position is and then too what could be at stake other than mutant annihilation or things like that maybe it's exposing the mutant kind and what they can do to the world that that could be a big deal because the world should not be ready like one thing that they haven't really and they kind of did in captain america but one thing they haven't really addressed is kind of how the world has reacted to the invasion i mean we've seen some of it in the netflix shows but ultimately, like, not everyone can just go about their daily lives. Like, there are going to be people who are building militias. Oh, absolutely. And people who are going to become more anti-immigration and anti-people who are different from them or things that are different from them. Because they're going to be like, hey, we got invaded by aliens. That's not cool. Now, all of a sudden, we it's got... like, hey, wait, people have power? Right. That's not cool either. So that could be the stakes, too, of, of what's introduced sure. or what could be. And then maybe the Sokovia Accord falls apart for the Avengers, but it gets reinstituted for mutants. I mean, I could I could totally see that happening. Like, hey, mm-hmm. Dr. Strange, you're cool. Cyclops, nah, dude. I'm going to need them papers. You can punch a hole through a mountain. I'm not cool with it. I guess ultimately it's, you know, any number of ways that that, that would work. And that's, that's really half the fun of it. Those are just my Those are just my thoughts on... Of what could be as far as X-Men go. I mean, you know, I love that property. So, and obviously I've thought a lot about it. And even the less popular one, even to me with Xavier kind of controlling what news gets out via his power and Cerebro, I would imagine. I still think that they could operate in secret in that one too. And if that were the case, I mean, they could face off against some huge villains, and it still would make sense, even though it's kind of a little lazy writing, why it wouldn't um, be noticed by, like, a Nick Fury or anyone like that. Now, you know who I think it would be dope who was aware of mutants? Black Panther. I think that would be dope, and he'd be like, like if he was monitoring or he was knew, knew about it, I think that would be And it would m- only awesome. make sense that he would be one who would. Panther or Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Right. I forgot about Strange. Like, I could see it going over Tony's head because yeah. why would he care? Right. And Banner, He's not Banner has his own to psychosis to deal with, so it could certainly be above his head as well. Mm-hmm. I guess ultimately it's, you know, any number of any number of ways that that, that would work. And that's, that's really half the fun of it. These are just our mad rantings and on what could be and you know what might happen if this were you know as they introduce these characters i would like for them to have a team already pre-established i don't think you need a huge roster at least not right off the bat it's hard to do we have all those characters but i just think for x-men i think having a large roster would make sense for them 
but at the same time, like a lean team makes sense as well. True. I would still have the element of the school involved. That's actually really important. Yeah. I mean, even in the comic, Xavier would go to parents and be like, hey, your child is right. already mutant. The world, it doesn't recognize what's going on. The world can't really help him. I can. I have this school. So I would keep that element in it. Try to keep it far enough removed from the Fox movies, but also true to the source material where you're able, and then go from there. I don't know, man. This is like, like I said before, this one is going to be tricky just because there's so many possible ways to mm-hmm. to make it happen. Out of the uh, the other ones we discussed, I feel like X Men, and maybe because I'm an X Men fan. Um, well, I'm not saying you are, but you know what I mean. Like I prefer X Men over most. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, mm, yes. Give me. Typically, you can give me X Men over anything, and I'll enjoy it. But I do enjoy other things too. Anyway, I say all that to say that I think X Men may be one that will be easier to work with, just because of the lack of publicity with that hero team. The problem, I guess, would be, which I hope would be, this character would be on the back burner for a while, is Magneto, because you know he's a known terrorist. Uh, how can you have a known terrorist or at least one who's known by the governments and not be outed as a mutant? Because I'm sure he's not going to hold back on his power when he's trying to protect his people as he sees it. I mean, I guess they could do some rewrites, but that's why I think the whole thing is so tricky because of characters like Magneto, right? It's not in his character to hold back in any way. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't, how do you explain the mutants not being there it's 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 just a whole it's interesting i'm 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 very interested to see how they're going to make this one work cuz i mean i got ideas as as <laughs> i expressed but i just don't i don't know man it's it's going to be kind of cool to see you know with the the guys who are handling it <laughs> aka not 21st century fox um i'm hey, man <laughs> i'm 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 pretty confident what they what they'll be able to do just my personal preference is that I don't want to see another, you know, story that takes place, you know, in the late 90s or something. I haven't even seen Captain Marvel yet, so that's the exception. But I don't want to see, like, another first class where it takes place, you know, years and years ago. And out of all of these characters, Deadpool is the easiest one to bring over. And he's yeah, it's so freaking ridiculous that whatever you do with him will make sense because he's it's Deadpool. Right. It's like, all right, okay, I could, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And and they could actually bring over the Deadpool canon as well, easily, because it's yeah. Deadpool. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, all in all, there's some good things on the horizon. For sure. You know, as, I can't remember who put it this way, but as the Avengers franchise is winding down, which I don't think that's very true. But then again, like I said, we don't know what's in the plan for Marvel, but uh, Marvel will be looking to kind of ignite another franchise. And, you know, we know they're laying the groundwork with that by, you know, planning movies for the Eternals and other things like that. But right. they have these characters. I'm pretty sure they're going to hit the ground running. I don't know why I didn't even think about that. That's your way to introduce the mutants right there. The Eternals. Somebody just creates a race of beings on Earth. Boom, there are your mutants. Yeah, but then that kind of cheapens the history of the X-Men and of mutants. Not necessarily. You're just starting the history later. So you can take the same 
storylines that existed in the 60s they're just happening now no I the same it. idea with you know hatred and separation and all of those things mm-hmm. and it, it certainly would be topical now anyway and it would it would make sense within the currently constructed universe because everybody loves the avengers but people might not love then the the dusting happened and you know sokovia had taken place years ago people losing faith in their heroes now all of a sudden there's a new race and we don't like that at that point then you can look back directly at you know what started them off when i just say it cheapens the history i just meant as far as you know in the in the comic books it always was something a mutation in the human genetic code um, right. Some people call it an evolution. Some people call it a mistake or something like that. Whatever you want to call it, I don't care. But the gist of it is that, you know, it's kind of like a, not a natural progression, but just something kind of went wrong. And if, right. you know, they're kind of created, it's kind of like, oh, well, it's they're not really mutants. They're just like human hybrid thing. You could still say that they were mutants. I mean, it's literally what you describe, you know, as human dna that has become something else let's say you know it's it's being called the next stage in evolution why couldn't an eternal just speed up that process in you know a hundred thousand you could see that i guess what we're saying classmates is the more we know the more we realize we don't know nothing at all but it is fun to speculate that's for sure it is and a hundred percent responsible at least in this arena and in other places, no, not so much. Yeah, I wouldn't even say this is responsible. Pretty yeah. wild, actually. <laughs> uh, some of them are, but some of them can can make sense and aren't. For sure. Aren't I don't think anything that we've said and is completely off the wall. Minus the Silver Surfer uh, answering Tony's distress call. I think that's the only one that's, that's definitely out there, but oh yeah, would still be cool to see. And too, like you said, I, Marvel does need the next big bad villain. Galactus makes sense. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of villains that they could use too, but when it comes to the danger level, Galactus is high on the list. It's yeah. is a threat, not just to, you know, the Earth, but also to the universe and, you know, life across the, the galaxy. Exactly. And that's why I think he's, he should be the big bad. And you have, you know, the smaller battles that have to be dealt with along the way. Right. The scrolls probably being the next one. I was going to say, where do you think they play into the MCU? I think we see the same progression that we saw in comics. I would like to see Disassembled happen. I would love to see House of M or something like that. I don't know that we're getting those two, but what I do believe we're going to get, we've gotten Civil War already. I think we're going to get Secret Invasion, and I think we're going to get the Siege. The Seeds are definitely in place for Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. I think by the end of Endgame, we will see the reveal of that, if not within Endgame. I was thinking, you know, what if they use some of the storyline for Secret Invasion in Captain Marvel? I don't know how they could, other than the just the presence of scrolls on Earth. I think that, that might be the extent of it. Like, we may get a reveal in Captain Marvel that somebody we know is a scroll. We may get that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking about the infamous scene of the woman on the bus. So we already know that they're on Earth impersonating humans. Exactly. So if they're impersonating, you know, sweet old women on the buses across the world, who's to say that they're not impersonating more prominent members of humanity? They absolutely are. 
They absolutely are. That's, I've no doubt in my mind. It's just a matter of who. And maybe that's how you get rid of Tony or recast <laughs> Iron Man. Why do you want to get rid of Tony so much? I don't. I really don't. But I just don't. I guess I'm, I keep saying him because I don't want it to be Cap. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is funny for me because I have never been a Captain America fan. Like, at all. He, he to me, is Marvel Superman. And, you know, I can respect both of those characters. But they just don't speak to me in that way. But MC, MCU Cap is my guy. Like, since Winter Soldier. I don't want to sound like a softie or anything like that, but I don't want to see any of these these guys go. No, I don't either. There's a lot of different ways they can go with that, but I think we'll be another three hours if we open up that rabbit hole. That's true. Do you guys want us to go that long? Let us know. Hit us up. <laughs> <laughs> it's all It's all about the you guys. You guys will be talking to Josh, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm tapping out. I got enough um, audio recorder for, for you, uh, JB, that I could just loop you in and just keep saying yes. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, it, it really is. We've covered Fantastic Four, Galactus, X-Men. We haven't really discussed casting, but that's because it's just kind of hard because there's, you know, a million X-Men and a million villains. And right right now we're just spitballing and it's kind of hard to say who our cast or who our preferred cast would be. So with the X-Men in particular, it is hard because they have actually perfectly casted. That's one thing I will say about Fox. They perfectly casted. In a couple of cases, twice. I was about to say who? Xavier. They they casted Xavier perfectly twice, and Magneto. Like I don't, I don't see how you how you knock it out of the park a third time. JB, homework. I don't think I have anything. There's a nerd out there recutting the MCU movies into a TV series. His name is Samuel Masters. He's a writer editor. And he's publishing these. I think so far there's about half a dozen or a dozen episodes out. You can watch them. Browser, you don't have to download anything. But his name is Samuel Masters. He has the, It's called the Unofficial MCU TV. And he has the seasons broken out into the different uh, phases from Marvel. So he has phase one out. And it starts with episode one. It's called World of Tomorrow, and it features Captain America, the first Avengers, Iron Man, and the Incredible Hulk. I haven't finished the entire episode, but everything I've seen online has been pretty... People have been impressed with what he's done and how he's he's cut these films. It's pretty cool, so check it out. It's um, His website is smasters.net forward slash unofficial MCU TV. That's the unofficial MCU TV series. I'm going to check that one out. I hadn't heard of it till you brought it up, so I'm definitely going to be doing my homework this week. Well, I think we're good. Don't forget to recommend us to a friend, like, subscribe, and review if possible. And also, you can follow us on Instagram at viewsfromthebackoftheclass underscore pod. Or you can shoot us an email at viewspod at gmail.com. Yeah, def- definitely reach out to us. We, we love to hear from our fans. In fact, shout out to Comic Book Dad. We definitely appreciate, you know, the correspondence and the the fanhood. So just want to throw a little love your way. We definitely appreciate it. We appreciate all our fans and maybe I'll 
do a shout out every week. But comic book, comic book dad, thanks for your support. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for bearing with us during our our hiatus, and we are back. We are back. Well, with that, I will say for this week. Again, I am JB, and on behalf of Josh, class dismissed. Cut the check.